You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. More than a decade after the genocide claimed nearly a million lives, women and girls in Rwanda are faced with another aftermath, an approximately 80% infection rate of HIV-AIDS. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Joel Heller, and with me today is Dr. Diljeet Singh, a gynecologic oncologist at the Robert H. Lurie Comprehensive Cancer Center of Northwestern University and assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Northwestern University Feinberg School of Medicine. Welcome. Today, Diljeet, we're going to talk about WEACT, which stands for Women's Equality to Access Care and Treatment. It's an organization that provides support and treatment for families in Rwanda surviving with HIV or at risk for HIV. Let's begin with how the program came into being and when did it start? So in 2005 or maybe late 2004, you know, in Rwanda, it's a a beautiful thing in in the capital city, Kigali, there are women's organizations, sort of neighborhood women's organizations. And sort of as 10 years had passed since the genocide, as people started to have active AIDS infections after having been infected with HIV, in neighborhoods, women started to figure out that they um, were sick with HIV and that the people who had raped them during the genocide and given them HIV were oftentimes in jail. And so they were under health care programs and they were being treated for their HIV while these women who had experienced genocidal rape um, were sort of uncared for. And so these neighborhood organizations came together and came to an international HIV meeting and appealed to uh, some journalists and some HIV researchers from the U.S., um, Marge Cohen and Kathy Anastos, who worked with uh, women's interagency HIV study here in the U.S. and said, you know, how can you help us address this issue of HIV treatment in Rwanda? So it was really very exciting to have them come and ask for assistance and care and then sort of respond very directly to their needs. Can you describe the actual work on the ground that's going on right now? It's evolved a lot over time, and there's sort of two things. One is just the actual sort of organization and provision of health care through a clinic where families come in and are evaluated and treated. Rwanda, fortunately enough, has recently obtained the resources to at least sort of set their goal of really testing everyone who should be tested for HIV and then treating everyone who should be treated. So there is sort of a health providing health care. And then there's a separate research project that has been quite exciting, looking at a number of different variables, um, looking at um, outcomes of trauma and how they might relate to compliance with and effectiveness of treatment for HIV and AIDS and following women longitudinally over time. And for me as a gynecologic oncologist, one of the things that was exciting that came out of that was here in the U.S., of course, any women's health care but especially uh, women with HIV, we would address their cervical cancer prevention needs. And in Rwanda, there currently is no national cervical cancer prevention program. And so for a group of women who are in a study, in this study being followed of roughly 1,000 women, we also are doing cervical cancer screening and prevention. So what protocols do you use when you, as part of this study? The study is a little bit separate. The women are treated sort of on the basic World Health Organization recommendations for how you treat HIV um, and recommendations for when you test for it. The way we've approached the 1,000 women in the study in terms of their treatment was we took a very old-fashioned and, if I may say, Western or U.S.-based approach to cervical um, cancer screening um, and then treatment, that is, we sort of used the very traditional pap smears 
HPV testing and um, colposcopy, mostly because as a research project, we wanted to be able to compare our findings and results with findings and results, for example, of women's interagency HIV study here in the U.S., just as we do it in the United States. Um, women who are HIV positive get um, either pap smears or HPV testing every six months. And then for abnormalities, they undergo colposcopy with appropriate biopsies and treatment for precancers um, and cancers. As you're doing it so far, do the numbers look similar to what you'd expect from that population? Um, absolutely. We have somewhere between a 20 and a 30% abnormality rate. That's including any um, abnormal pap smears. Um, we had a little bit of a higher than we expected um, rate of actual precancers in the beginning, and I'd be lying if I just gave you the number off the top of my head, so I'm not going to do it. Let me just look it up. We were lucky enough to really only find two very advanced cancers, and unfortunately one woman died of her cancer, we believe. It was relatively early in the program, but other than that, the cancers have been relatively early. In that study population, 800 of the roughly 1,000 women are HIV positive. About half of those women have CD4 counts that qualified them for antiretrovirals. And then about 200 women are the HIV negative women. So it was sort of interesting. And we found what we'd expect, significantly higher rates of cervical abnormalities in the women who were HIV positive compared to the HIV negative. The other thing that we split the patients up by was whether or not they had experienced genocidal rape, and we um, set it up so 50% of the women who were HIV negative and then 50% of each of the um, HIV positive groups on antiretrovirals and not on antiretrovirals had experienced genocidal rape. And surprisingly, we really only saw that in the HIV negative women, um, the genocidal rape really impact, for example, on the risk of having an HPV infection. Among the HIV-positive women, sort of everybody's risks was so high that it was different to distinguish between the women who had experienced genocidal rape and those that hadn't. It's really hard, though, because if you just turn genocidal rape, for example, into a yes, experienced genocidal rape, no, didn't, that gives you a really limited picture. And unfortunately, for a smaller group of women, they were raped by multiple people as opposed to the vast majority were held in captivity and raped multiple times by the same person. And so you can see that just, it sounds sort of so horrible to talk about it, but if you stand back a little bit, obviously the women who were raped by multiple people are going to have higher, higher risk, risk right. Right, than the ones who were raped over and over by the same people. If you've just joined us, you're listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Joel Heller, your host, and with me today is Dr. Diljeet Singh, a gynecologic oncologist and assistant professor of obstetrics and gynecology at Northwestern University. We're discussing WEACT, a program that supports women and girls' access to HIV treatment and prevention in Rwanda. On the ground, who are the people that are actually doing the, the pap smears, the colposcopies? Is this uh, part of the indigenous medical population in Rwanda, or are you bringing in people from the states? We're doing a little bit of both. What's been one of the most difficult things for Rwanda in terms of recovering from the genocide was the loss of their educated population. And so many of the doctors were killed during the genocide. And obviously it takes a lot longer than 10 years to recreate um, a whole you know, generation or two or three of healthcare professionals. So the women doing the pap smears and the screening visits 
doing the trauma counseling and the trauma um, questionnaires. Those are all um, Rwandans who are trained. Um, it's actually the colposcopies are being done by myself and another gynecologist, a great guy, Bill Banzeff, who's up in Evanston um, and also works for Northwestern. And then we've had a number of really fabulous uh, other OB-GYNs from Cook County Hospital who've joined sort of in sequentially helping with the colposcopies. And then in training some of the gynecologists there, the great difficulty really is that there's, you know, roughly 80 OB-GYNs in the entire country. And they have their hands full, obviously, between treatment, between general um, obstetrics and fistulas, management of vesco-vaginal fistulas, et cetera. You know, we sort of create a whole new ball of wax when we add cervical cancer screening and prevention. And so from that perspective, we've tried to and been lucky enough to be welcomed um, to assist in the medical school. Um, and hopefully in the next year, we'll start setting up a training program through the medical school there. So as you do that, you think it'll be able to become a more sustainable thing instead of having to rely on volunteers that continually go over. Absolutely. The volunteers, and the only other reason we've sort of stressed that is as a research project, you need some uniformity of your outcomes so that people will listen to the data. And we have some really compelling data. I think the most interesting data that's come of that research project so far for me from a cervix cancer prevention perspective is that over 60% of the precancerous lesions that we found were associated with HPV type that are not being targeted in the current vaccines that are being developed to prevent cervical cancer. And so if you think to yourself that cervical cancer is truly a disease where we see the most mortality in the developing world or in more resource-limited countries where there is no prevention, and then in those countries that we should actually develop vaccines that don't address almost 60% of their disease. It really, I think, is a little bit of a stop, learn, and listen from the perspective of maybe we need to think a little harder and broaden our scope as we develop vaccines. And that is exciting data, and one of the reasons why we want people to take that data seriously, so we've been relatively strict about how we've collected the data and how we've collected our um, biopsies, et cetera, et cetera, to make them as standard um, as possible and sort of as interpretable or believable to U.S. or European population as possible. How is this work funded currently? Um, it was initially funded through the um, supplement to the Women's Interagency um, HIV Study, through the National Institutes for uh, Infectious uh, Allergy and Infectious Disease, um, and that's where the vast majority of the funding came from and the HPV testing funding came from. And since then, it has been funded by, and a lot of the travel, uh, et cetera, has been funded um, by private donors. And a lot of the work and the majority of WE Act, so the umbrella organization that also just provides care, is privately funded. If our listeners would like to help going forward, and is there a central place they could go to to find out more and how they can help about WEACT? If you search WEACT, W-E-A-C-T-X, um, on the Internet there is a website, and that's the absolute best place to go. The other way is to reach me here at Northwestern um, or Marge Cohen, Dr. Marge Cohen, through Cook County Hospital. We've also been working through Crossroads, which is a, um organization of HIV-AIDS groups here in Chicago, 
um, and that's another way to reach and help support. And that would be, you know, any interest, obviously, is appreciated. You were talking about going to the medical school. Who's going to be funding that? Is it going to be through the same group, or is the government picking that up? Uh, the government is not picking it up. Some of it is being picked up privately, and some of it's still up for grabs. <laughs> and so all suggestions uh, are would be great, and all contributions as well. And we're starting to move out of my area of sort of organizational expertise in this group. But the Buffett Foundation, who um, sponsors family planning um, training here in the United States, um, will also be supporting family training and general OBGYN training and participation um, there. That's sort of in its real um, infancy yet in terms of being set up. And so I don't want to sort of make commitments for that, but that's where that's coming from. Well, I'd like to thank Dr. Diljeet Singh, who has been our guest today. We've been discussing We Act, a program in Rwanda supporting treatment for women and girls with HIV or at risk for HIV. I'm Dr. Joel Heller. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.